Now be reasonable. You cannot turn down fifty dollars for a six dollar rye. No. Watch me. Stop it. I want that ride, lady. Help! Someone help! Shut up, you old pig! But I don't want to be a secondary character. Hello. Hello. And welcome to this week's episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. We are a Seinfeld podcast based in Melbourne, Australia. And every week we take a Seinfeld episode and examine the secondary characters from it. I am one of your hosts, Stephen. And I'm the other host, Ivan. And uh, this week we're doing what I would say is a classic episode, or an episode with definitely a classic scene, The Rye from the Season R- 7. Yes, that's right. Episode 11, 7 The Rye. And uh, yeah, we are heading to Schnitzers and getting our Marvel Rye before we do this episode. And yeah, it is a really fun one. Uh, we have a few secondary characters today. I, I think the last couple of weeks we've been pretty uh, pretty skint on secondaries. Yeah, it's been slim pickings, but it's good to get back to an episode with uh, a few more talk about. Absolutely. Some returning and also some new ones as well. And uh, one which you see for the first time and then you see them a few episodes later. They play a big part in the uh, downfall of Morty Seinfeld. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Mabel Choate that's right. and uh, Elaine's episode boyfriend John Germain, the uh, saxophonist who... Yes. <laughs> uh, well, I, I would call him more of a saxophonist. <laughs> a saxophonist. He's oh. hot and heavy. Yeah. yeah for not sure. at the end though. Yeah, not at the end, no. <laughs> He's cold and droopy. <laughs> he sure is. Oh. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've got a few other notes on uh, some other bit characters. I Clyde and Dennis. Yeah, I've yeah. got a couple of notes uh, on those as well. Beautiful. As well as uh, your favourite uh, animal secondary character, Rusty the Horse. Rusty, finally. Rusty. I know, it's been so long. We, we sometimes delve into some animal characters, but very rarely. But when they do come up, I uh, really enjoy talking about them. Yeah, no, they always uh, offer a different uh, thing to discuss. They do. If uh, you want to discuss secondary characters, you can email us at beardwabasspodcast at gmail.com. You can say hello on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit. If you want to support us financially, up until recently, we had a Patreon. But we've decided to pause that. If you go back a couple of episodes, we go on a bit of an explainer mm. uh, as to why. But in the meantime, we do have a PayPal uh, and the links to all of those are in the show notes. And finally, if you want to have some fun on Facebook, you can join my or our. Let's say our. Our? Okay. Well, you've done all the work. Well, I haven't done anything. <laughs> I just share posts from Bidwabask. You do more than me. Ah, <laughs> uh, Anyway, I have a Seinfeld. Well, we have a Seinfeld group on Facebook called Seinfeld-isms. Uh, we're up to about 33,000 members now <laughs> uh, and it's growing uh, rapidly and it's uh, as fun as it ever was. So, yeah, come and join the fun. Indeed, yes. And you are on Reddit as well. Uh, the subreddit is a thread about nothing. That's right. I think I'm up to 13 members now. Oh, so That's all right. Yeah. yeah. You take some from Seinfeldisms and you put them into, uh, into Reddit. That'll work. Yeah, I think the Reddit thread for Seinfeld has got 180-something thousand members, oh. so it's pretty hard to compete. That's been around forever, though. Yeah, yeah that's true. For sure. Anyway, Seinfeldisms, my man. I finally have one after a few weeks. It's oh, a nice. good one. Yeah, what do you got? It's a beauty. I was at work the other day and there's a department within our team and one of the teams calls customers regarding certain issues regarding payments and stuff and um, this guy who's who's in the team came up to me and he goes Ivan you are not going to believe what happened I had to tell someone who's a fan of Seinfeld and I said what what happened he goes I tried calling this customer went to voicemail and the George theme from uh, the Susie came up nice but it was the customer singing it oh wow so it was like it was like the woman or the believe man saying no, no, not, someone is in is at home yeah wow that's it I'd find excuses just to call that customer be like so uh, just checking to see if your electricity is still on <laughs> 
we work for an energy company. Yeah, that's right. Got gas. Yeah. <laughs> how's uh, how's the family? <laughs> Believe uh, it or not, you're gonna get disconnected. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit dark. <laughs> very, very dark. Yeah. So that was really funny. That no, that's really one. cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. He, I just loved it when he came up to me and said, "I had to tell a Seinfeld fan," and I knew you were a Seinfeld fan. So yeah. It worked out. Yeah. I just no, had chose, to tell someone. He chose the right person to tell. He, he did. I have one as well. Uh, it's not a Seinfeldism per se, but a friend at work. I was recently talking to her and I mentioned that uh, we have a Seinfeld podcast and she had no idea and she is a massive Seinfeld fan and then funnily enough she said do you guys ever talk about Curb Your Enthusiasm and I said well we've actually recorded a B podcast which was on our Patreon but is now actually available on our feed from uh, the Saturday Just Gone called Curbcast that's right it's a nice segue yes it is our bonus podcast it was originally a Patreon only podcast like you said Steve but uh, yeah we have put it out to everyone so uh, episode 2 well episode 1 we released probably a few months ago on our feed I think that was in January I December, might have been on that. I think it was late last year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we decided to release the remaining season one episodes. There's another from, as, as of this week, probably another, what, seven to go? Uh, I think eight. Eight, eight to go. Ten yeah. episodes eight, in the first Yeah, season. true, true. Eight to go. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So uh, yeah, they'll be on the feed. So they'll be released every Saturday uh, in the morning, Australian time, a few days after our normal Bitwell Basket episodes. Yep, that's right. So check them out. You get to listen to us uh, twice a week. Yeah. Yeah. More annoying Australians in your ears. Indeed. Uh, yeah. So that was really nice of her to uh, be supportive of us doing this and uh, I forced her to, subs- to subscribe on Spotify. Good. And uh, she said that she'll be listening from now on so if you are listening, uh, you know who you are yes. and uh, yeah, thanks for the support. Much appreciated. Indeed. We did have trouble with Spotify previously getting new episodes but we fixed it so uh, you should be able to listen Let's to everything. Let's be honest, you fixed it. You, yeah, I fixed it. You yeah. highlighted it and I said, oh, that should be fixed and then you said I fixed it and I'm like, cool dude. Yeah, we put stuff on our social media because we're like, hey, if you listen on Spotify, uh, you might be about three or four months behind. So, yeah, I think it was only up until no- like November last year so yeah, yeah we're Missing nearly three months. So there you go. You had like three or four months worth of episodes if you are listening on Spotify. Back on track now. Yeah, indeed. Seinfeld news. What has happened this week in the world of Seinfeld? Yeah, so two things have happened in response to the absolute insanity that swept the country uh, regarding toilet paper hoarding. Stan, right. which is a Australia-only streaming service uh, similar to Netflix, they have Seinfeld on their service yeah. uh, here in Australia. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was last week, um, it was sort of at the height of the the hoarding and the paranoia. Mm. Um, and I'll explain a bit more after I get through the article. They, on their title page, actually put a screenshot from the store, which is the episode where Elaine is not past squares of toilet paper yeah, under yeah, the don't toilet have store. A, don't have a spare to square. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, at the end of that episode, she walks into Monk's and she's got toilet paper mm-hmm. sort of bunched up in her hands. Yeah. And uh, they put that screenshot on there saying, we don't have a spare to square. <laughs> and a link to play that episode uh, in response. So Beautiful. Yeah. So because of the coronavirus panic a lot of people have for some reason lost their minds Mm -hmm. and they're going to supermarkets and anywhere they can get toilet paper and pasta and sort of basics uh, that you would need maybe if uh, you know if coronavirus truly swept the nation if you or the were world. indeed quarantined yeah, 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 uh, yeah and it's been reported for days and weeks that most supermarkets are actually out of stock on toilet paper so yeah. people who genuinely need it not some you know shithead boomer who's got <laughs> two trolleys full yeah uh, <laughs> you know people who genuinely need it can't get it a boomer who needs to go boom boom oh, more regularly than it's, usual it's, it's, it's so confusing <laughs> yeah very yeah it's yeah. insane but one of the best things to come out of this is all the memes yeah you know, there's so many Simpsons ones which have been awesome but the Seinfeld ones have been coming we actually got one on Instagram from uh, at Sign Peaks yeah uh, Sign Peaks he's a I think he listens to us uh, they listen to us and uh, they follow us on Instagram 
so hey, Sign Peaks, we don't know your real name. Yeah, but, we don't know uh, who yeah. you are, but yeah, thanks it's for fun. the uh, thanks for the reach out. Actually, he said a really appropriate one. It was from the Rye. It was the uh, it was a still of Mabel and Jerry on the street just yeah. before Jerry's about to you know steal the Rye, and it says underneath saying, "I'll buy it for fifty bucks." Yeah, and it, instead of a marble Rye, it's a toilet. She's paper holding a roll of toilet paper. It's a, yeah, toilet, yeah. it's a pack of the toilet paper. Give it yeah. here, you old bag. Yeah, shut Give up. me that toilet paper, you old bag. Shut up, you old bag. Yeah. Help, help. Yeah, yeah. people have actually been. Uh, well, no one's been stabbed, but people have pulled knives. Mm-hmm. Cops are being called. That's right. I was uh, talking to a guy a few days ago, and he said he's an assistant manager at Aldi. Oh, no. And uh, he was out the back, and there's a little window in which you can see out into the back loading area. And this old guy was looking through the window, and he saw a pallet of toilet paper Uh-oh. in the storage area. Uh-oh. And, you know, only staff are allowed back there. And he snuck back there. And the guy that I was talking to saw him, and he was loading toilet paper. So he pushed his trolley into the loading area, oh. started loading toilet paper into his trolley from the pallet. How is he going to pay for it? Is oh, he going to run off with it? No, 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 no. He was, because it wasn't out on the floor. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he he had to look to see if there was any out the back. He saw it. So he came in there just unannounced and just started loading his trolley up. So the guy that I was talking to came up to him and said, what are you doing? Get out of here. And then he started to get physical and he actually punched the guy in the (gasps) face. Oh my God. Yeah. So the guy that I was talking to was punched by an old man because he was trying to get toilet paper when it was not out on the floor and because he was told to piss off out of an area he wasn't allowed into. That's how insane people have gotten. You see what happens when the mainstream media cause unnecessary panic? Yeah, I... I, I, a lot of it's social media misinformation. It's it's a Definitely. it's a strange phenomenon. It's really hard to diagnose exactly what the precise cause is, and it's this self perpetuating, confusing phenomenon. It's it's absolutely wild. What morons? Seriously, yeah, total total morons. Total dicks. Uh, yeah. Now Coles and Woolies, who are two major supermarkets uh, over here, have actually have to ration their toilet papers down to I think one pack a person. Per yeah, day and Aldi or something. did it today as well. Aldi did yeah, it today. Yeah, yeah, yeah which I'm, I'm glad too. they've responded in a sane way. Yeah. Because I mean, what if someone you know who isn't buying into the fucking insanity goes. Just just to buy toilet paper because everyone needs it. Yeah. And they can't get any. Exactly. You know, because people are then buying tissues and then buying paper towels and sponges and it, it's... It's crazy. Anyway, well, yeah, we'll stop talking about it. But it's it's uh yeah, it's, it's a crazy. it's a totally insane phenomenon. Well, rest assured, listeners, we always have a square to spare for you if yes, you need we do. it. We'll post it to you in the US, Canada, wherever you are listening. Yeah, we'll do it. That's right for sure. Yeah. So uh, if you don't have any toilet paper, you can uh, maybe listen to. Actually, you know what? If you don't have any toilet paper, don't listen to us because then more shit will be in your life. Oh no! <laughs> Come on, we're not that bad. You got we? shit in your bum, <laughs> shit in your ears. Oh man, no, I'm just coming, being coming through all orifices, eh? <laughs> Goodness me. In and out. In and out. Yes. Anyway, that's enough about toilet paper and poo. The second bit of news, <laughs> and this is actually a uh, pretty fun one. The Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp are a real name for a baseball team. Nice. I don't know, I don't know if they're an MLB, like a major league baseball team. I don't think the MLB would have a team called the Jumbo Shrimp. <laughs> the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. <laughs> I, I thought it was a troll, so. but they're a legitimate team. It must be minor league, maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, they are releasing 2000 George Costanza bobbleheads called uh, The Ocean Called Bobbleheads. Bobbleheads, <sighs> and uh, it's a bobblehead of George eating shrimp. Beautiful. Uh, and they're giving those away to the first 2,000 payers uh, to a game that's happening uh, on June 13. It's part of a Seinfeld night that's it's pretty common in baseball, I guess, because uh, Jerry Seinfeld's a massive baseball fan, a massive yeah. Yankees fan. Yeah, and plenty of baseball stars like Keith and Andes and others have yeah, been on the show. Yeah, so it's always it had a pretty sense. strong link to, yeah. to baseball. Plus George and the Yankees as well. Yeah. Huge connections there. Yeah, so yeah. If, you, if you happen to be uh, from Jacksonville, Florida, or in Jacksonville on June 13th, I don't know who the opposing team is, but go check out 
the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. <laughs> it's um, going to be the uh, Miami Jerk Stores. Miami Jerk yes. Stores. I actually just got the <laughs> reference as well. It's uh, obviously related to the name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just yeah. It just clicked. Of course. Of course. Uh, yeah, so if you happen to be around uh, Jacksonville on June 13th, head to the game and uh, make sure you're one of the first 2,000 and you'll get a bobblehead. Very good, mate. Anyway, that's all the news. That's it. All uh, right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we are talking about Season 7, Episode 11, and its wonderful secondary characters. The Rye is that episode. Hi, this is Zach. And Aaron from Seinfeld Law. And uh, you are listening to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. The Rye first aired in the US on January 4th, 1996, directed by Andy Ackerman, written by Carol Leifer. She is a wonderful writer, Carol. Yeah, no, yeah. she is. Yeah. George is nervous about an upcoming dinner he and his parents are having with Susan and her parents, and with good reason. <laughs> they don't exactly hit it off, and Frank Costanza is so upset at the end of it all that he takes back the loaf of rye bread that he bought as a gift from Schnitzer's. The ultimate form of stinginess. <laughs> you forgot to bring it in. I brought it in. <laughs> George is intent on returning it, leading Jerry to have an interesting encounter with an old woman who buys the last loaf of rye at the bakery. And this is the first appearance of Mabel Chode, played by Francis Bay. Elaine has a new musician boyfriend. His name is John Germain, played by actor Jeff Yeager. But Jerry may ruin the relationship when he decides it as hot and heavy. Kramer gets the use of a neighbor's handsome cab. His name's Dennis, played by Don Amendolia, and begins giving guided tours of New York. Other secondary characters are Leonard Lightfoot. He plays John's bandmate, Clyde. He's the one who uh, has to watch his hands. My hands are my life. My hands are my life, Kramer. <laughs> Kramer. Uh, Catherine Cates plays the counterwoman at Schnitzer's. And uh, Steve Ireland plays the uh, music executive at the nightclub waiting for John to yeah, come on. Yeah, very unimpressed music yes. executive. That's when John bombs. Yeah. Yeah, very unimpressed. <laughs> it's great. Cold and floppy. He's like, I'll give him 10 more minutes. <laughs> Trivia for the episode. I've got a few. What about you, mate? Yeah, I've got a few. In the DVD commentary for the episode, Jerry actually states that this episode is his favourite from season seven. I could imagine because, uh, and I think it's his favourite of the series, the entire series. Oh, I always interpreted yeah. that as series seven. No, no, or... season seven. Oh, no, okay. I think it's the whole series. No, I'm pretty sure. Right. Yeah, I, yeah, I, oh. I heard that too. Okay. But I think because he, he's had, he would have had so much fun doing that scene yeah. with Francis. I think that would have, he would have got a real good kick out okay. of it. But yeah, interesting. I mean, the Rye, it is a classic in terms of um, that scene, but it's interesting. I mean, of all the episodes Jerry did, I thought he would have loved the contest or, you know, something like that but I guess if it has a lot of scenes with him and he's kind of involved in it he probably enjoys it a lot more I suppose well what would make Jerry enjoy it wouldn't be the same as what makes fans enjoy it mm, you know like yeah. the contest is a fan favourite yeah. and a critical favourite but it could have been a terrible experience for Jerry writing it and filming it mm. you know he's not he's not a viewer he's a he's making it so maybe when this episode was being filmed and written there was a bunch of good stuff happening or they were just on a good vibe or something yeah maybe Um, yeah it's his favourite there you go episode name or another episode name for this one was going to be the Price Club. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, a bit too obscure, I think. Very obscure. I mean, it's it's really in the mention. I mean, even though the groceries in this, you know, Kramer's bargain hunting sort of sets up the rest of the storyline for him, it's... Yeah, it's just too obscure for the episode. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. I'm glad they went with the Rye because the Rye is kind of like the linchpin for yeah. Jerry, George, and even Kramer's subplots. Yeah. It's interesting how the three of them kind of meld into one storyline, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they intertwine like the Rye. They sure do. <laughs> and speaking of the Rye, Marble Rye Bread, it's actually, I, I did not know this at all. It's made by swirling together traditional or sourdough rye bread with pumpernickel bread. Oh, there you go. Okay. And the main ingredient is rye flour made from milling rye berries, and it gives the bread a tangy, sour taste. 
I do like rye bread. Yeah, there you have a marble rye. Have you had marble rye? Uh, no, but yeah. I guess you could get just a piece of like pumpernickel or like really dense dark rye, mm. mix it with a light rye, and you got something close. There you go. Yeah, that's a something. Version, a version of marble rye. That's something that Mabel could have done. You know, yeah. would have gone to get pumpernickel and rye and been like, oh well, my marble got stolen, so I got to make my own. <laughs> what I was surprised at was when Jerry was trying to buy the rye from her before he stole it. He said, "I'm going to give you fifty dollars for a six dollar rye." So six dollars. I mean, it's you know, it's a sort of boutique gourmet loaf of bread, so it's always going to be more expensive. But when did this episode come out? 94, 95? Uh, it came out 96. 96. 96? Yeah, yeah. So that's what? Nearly 25 years ago. Mm. $6 in America. Plus inflation. Plus inflation. Yeah. I mean, that would be probably 11, 12 bucks. Maybe. By now. These days, yeah. You know, and, and converting that to... Australian currency, that's about $16, $17 yeah. for a loaf of bread. It mm. just seems really expensive. Blows my mind. Yeah. yeah. Well, mind you, it is Manhattan. So, yeah, know, that's true. Then, still, it's still very expensive. I mean, it's highly while. sought after because it's the only bread that's sold out at Schnitzer's. So. Well, Schnitzer's must be that good yeah. that they can afford to. Well, know, they can uh, put up the Frank and Estelle have to, you know, uh, deviate <laughs> from their route to yeah. Susan's parents to, to pick up the rice. So, exactly. Must be good stuff. It must be really good stuff. Yeah. I'll show them all about taste. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show these people a thing <laughs> or two about, about taste. taste. Yeah, that's what, you, that's what he says. Uh, uh, when Jerry is bringing the rye to George to enact their stupid plan, Susan's parents are coming back early and you see uh, Jerry hide behind a red Porsche. Mm-hmm. On that Porsche is a license plate that says JEB493. And it's actually the same license plate that appears in the previous episode. I didn't know which episode that was. Uh, that was the Garmin. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was on another car. Yeah, it was yeah. on a Mustang. A so red Ford Mustang, yeah. Yeah, it must have been just a prop that they transplanted from one uh, car to the other. Yeah, obviously they did film the rye on a film set. That's clearly not like a street. Yeah. Like a normal street. So, yeah. yeah, they probably just swap props around, whatever yeah. they do. Yeah. Yeah. Make it easier. Yeah. I thought JEB 493 might have meant something, but no. Nah, nah, just, uh, just used twice. That's right. And uh, just the last bit of trivia, a very interesting one or a funny one that I saw, Steve. Um, during the filming of the episode, late at night on the Paramount set, uh, the crew stopped work and amused themselves with a 25-minute snowball fight. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Fun. Yeah. That would have been really fun. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, everyone's gone or having a rest. Let's fight. It would be funny if that bit of trivia was just cut out to have a snowball fight. Fight. Yeah. So it was like the crew stopped to just to amuse themselves for 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. what are you doing for 25 minutes just to amuse yourself? <laughs> it's a bit odd. It's a fun episode and some fun secondary characters in this one. Let's talk about, first of all, Stephen, John Germain. He's played by actor, special effects coordinator, and makeup artist. Oh boy, Jeff Yeager, his name is. Uh, he's acted in the films Mr. and Mrs. Smith and My Fellow Americans. Uh, he lent his special effects skills to the film Cradle to the Grave, starring Jet Li, and uh, he coordinated makeup for the film starring Charlize Theron, Aeon Flux. Nice. Yes. I had quite a few vibes from when I saw him. He has a real Michael Hutchins swagger to him, doesn't he? Do yeah. looks a bit like Michael Hutchins? I think he's a bit dorkier than Michael dorkier, Hutchins. Dorkier, yeah. Michael Hutchins just has like a swaggering sort of sexuality to him. He's just raw sex. Yeah. Whereas... It's just more John, like the long hair and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Uh, John just seemed a bit more goofy. I don't know. Like, I always associate jazz players. Like, like rock, nerds. Rock star, <laughs> no, not nerds, yeah, yeah. but like, you know, rock stars like... Ooh, they just ooze sexuality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And John, you know, even though he's smooth, he's not like awkward, mm. but he just doesn't have that raw sex appeal. I can see the resemblance. I mean, he's a you know he's a good looking man. He's got long hair. He's a musician, mm-hmm. but I just don't think he has as much sex appeal as someone like Michael Hutchins. Nah, fair enough. Well, uh, it was more like the resemblance of him. He just yeah. kind of looked like him, right? Yeah. Anyway, the sixty four thousand dollar question, my friend. Why wouldn't he go down on the lane? Um, maybe he, the previous person he went down on, had a bad taste or a bad smell. Yeah, I think he probably did have a bad. 
bad experience yeah. of some sort. Because he's not yeah. opposed to it. No, Because he no. offers it to Elaine. He obviously realizes that it's something that she would appreciate. And uh, he says, you know, I've got a few hours to kill between sets. We can go and, you know... Add, add another add another to, my song repertoire. to his repertoire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not something that I think he's opposed to. I think maybe he was just a bit trepidatious because... Yeah, maybe his previous partner had a bad smell or a bad taste. I know that can put people off. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe yeah. just had a bad experience, or maybe, yeah. or maybe his previous because because Jerry says that he came off a serious relationship previously. Yeah, maybe his previous partner wasn't into it. Maybe not and into it, or maybe just kept belittling him about it. Maybe saying yeah. you're not good enough, you're terrible. Don't yeah, do it I, again, I don't think know? it was coming from a place of like being selfish of like, well, I'll receive, but I won't give. No, no, no. Because like I said, he's obviously was okay with it, and he was obviously thoughtful enough to realize, oh, hang on, maybe I should do it because but, yeah. you know to return the favor but it sounds like he does have some kind of well it's probably not the right word but he has kind of like trauma in a sense like yeah. especially at the end when he's trying to play after trying to do it on elaine but yeah. elaine's like oh it's okay you know yeah, she's, you were good you just don't need to you just don't need to work uh, as hard yeah work as hard yeah. yeah yeah and he still he feels inadequate i think he's probably just getting those feelings again from the past he's yeah. like oh god that's what happened to me before maybe you know? maybe he's just kind of bad at it and maybe the, like Elaine is quite kind. She's mm. like, you know, it's okay. Like you did okay. Yeah, yeah. And I think she would be considerate enough to like sort of encourage him to get better and better mm. and not belittle him. But maybe his previous partner was a bit more mean. Yeah, that, and, I think that's what it is. Yeah. I think she was really judgmental and yeah. probably like really like talking down to him. So, yeah, yeah. You're Rather terrible. than encouraging yeah. him. Yeah. And to build up his confidence. Mm. Yeah, she put him down, and maybe that just made him realize I'm just no good. I yeah. don't. I don't want to embarrass myself. Mm-hmm. Maybe his mind changed when he heard uh, through Clyde that Elaine wants to be. You know, deems them as hot. Well, hot and heavy. Hot yeah. and heavy. So yeah. maybe he thinks, oh, like Elaine is more it, into mm, Elaine mm. is more into it than I thought she was. It actually so worked I'm gonna out. Like, I'm yeah. gonna have a. I'm gonna have another go. Yeah. And he obviously isn't as successful as he would like to be, and then that affects his uh, ability to play jazz. Exactly. Lots I mean, of euphemisms yeah. in this conversation. Very lots of you. <laughs> <laughs> lots of sexual innuendo. Yeah, going down on Elaine. Lots of innuendo. Yeah. Yeah. In your endo. In oh, your. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Stop it, man. But yeah, Jerry thinks that yeah. Like I said, he recently came off a relationship and maybe he's not performing as well. And uh, Elaine goes, no, that's not the case. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I don't think like the stereotype in like writing or TV or movies or whatever is when a guy doesn't want to go down on a woman, it's usually coming from a place of like just selfishness mm-hmm. um, or thinking that like it's it's a common thing. And it's actually in a storyline in The Sopranos where Junior Soprano really enjoys going down on women, but he has to keep it secret because it's not seen as masculine. Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. Uh, so a lot of the movies and stuff sort of continue that idea. Whereas I think with, uh, John, it, it, you know, I think he's a sensitive, thoughtful guy. He was just a bit traumatized from his previous partner. And he's a bit of a band nerd as yeah. well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think he, I think he would have given up music after sort of blowing his chance with the music executive. Oh, I like him to have more of a happy ending. I would have said that he would have probably, you know, stopped for a while and maybe came back. Well, later. maybe, yeah, maybe not given up music wholly, but given up his pursuit of, you know, major label success. Maybe he would have just accepted that, okay, I'll just play sort of like low-level clubs, mm. you know, rather than like be a jazz saxophonist. I yeah. don't know, can you even be a big jazz saxophonist? Like, it's a pretty niche Kenny form G, of music. maybe? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. He's a, he's a one-off, he's an That's outlier. That's true. Yeah. Actually, John reminds me more of Kenny G. Kenny G, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Then, fair enough. Then, uh, then Michael, Michael Hutchins. Hutchins. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I had another theory about him, though. Um, yeah. Maybe he was probably too engrossed in his musical pursuits to worry about those other things. Uh, about doing everything? Yeah, maybe. Maybe he was just... Yeah, temporarily. Temporarily, yeah. yeah. I think maybe for a little while. Maybe around the time when he met Elaine is also the time that uh, he found out that he has major label interest and it sort of just consumed him. So he wasn't being as thoughtful. That's and probably then, what I'm you know, thinking, and then, yeah. yeah, and then eventually he thought, oh, hang on, like maybe I should be a bit 
bit more giving in the uh, bedroom. <laughs> so to speak, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that plays well. Yeah, yeah. And he was really too focused on getting that major uh, yeah. label deal. He, he was going to become like Kenny G Light. Yeah. <laughs> Kenny, uh, what's one less letter than G? Kenny F. Kenny F. <laughs> well, he certainly F'd up with a lane, he didn't did. he? Yes. Yes. But he didn't F the right way. <laughs> yeah, no. He played in the key of F. <laughs> if you know what failure. I mean. <laughs> yeah, failure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, look, I really like John. I think he's like a kind guy. Yeah. I think he's, you know, sensitive and nice. Because I think, again, coming back to when he found out through Clyde that Elaine wants it to be hot and heavy, but Elaine's sort of like being coy to like play the game and not give too much away. I think that sort of shook him out of his obsession with that major label interest. And he realized, oh, hang on, like Elaine is really keen. Like this is another good thing in my life. I've got to pay a bit of attention to this. I think that sort of like made him realize that, oh, great. Like I can't let Elaine go. I've got to be a bit more considerate towards her needs. So do you think when he had his next partner, he was more, uh, you know, accustomed or succumbed to uh, her needs? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, probably another crack and he, he got better at it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he seems like a pretty, like, dedicated guy. I mean, to be a jazz saxophonist requires a lot of talent and practice and dedication. So I think that would apply to most things in his life. So even though he's bad at this stage in his life, he's bad at oral sex, I think he would be, you know, the sort of person to want to get better and eventually he would get good. That's right. Just like learning the saxophone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he started off playing a couple of notes and yep. uh, now he's playing a whole whole. Starts off with hot cross buns and now he's, you know, <laughs> pl- playing badly, although playing still in front of, a, you know, record execs for uh, major labels. That's right. Yeah, He's killing it. Yeah, no, I, I reckon it would have turned out well for John. I reckon he would have had a bit of a lull, maybe in his confidence, especially because he cooked uh, such an important gig. Absolutely, uh, and also because Elaine just disappeared. Like, <laughs> just and uh, and he and you notice that as she's leaving in the end credits, he actually sees her yeah. leaving. You notice how he looks up and she, he's like, oh. Yeah. He, I mean, he's, watching, he's, he's, watching, he's, yeah, he's watching like his romantic and his professional life just falling away yeah. in front of his eyes as yeah. he's playing. That's right. I mean, yeah, that would have taken him, taken him a little while to bounce back huge, from, but I think yeah. he would have eventually. A huge shattering in confidence. For sure. For Two sure. things at once. Like you can see the disappointment and the sort of embarrassment in the record label guy and Elaine like trying to just quickly slip out the door because <laughs> she's there. just like, nah, I'm I, done. Don't want, I don't want to deal with this nah, anymore. No way. No yeah. way. <laughs> Which is pretty bloody cold. That is very cold. <laughs> Even like, though like, it wasn't like, her fault after all this happens well like like a nice girlfriend like if if she's really that into him surely she'd be supportive enough to sort of hang around and like make sure he's okay after cooking yeah, such an important yeah. thing like to be like oh you know to be encouraging and supportive. to be there for but, support yeah, yeah, yeah but she's just like nah this is too far gone <laughs> See, like, pretty bloody cold very cold anyway mabel showed now we did already talk about her in our the cadillac episode and uh but we'll talk about her in the context of this one eh? yeah uh played by francis bay she's most famous for playing happy gilmore's grandmother in the eponymous film she's also appeared in the film's blue velvet inspector gadget and the wedding planner um her character also appears a few episodes later like i said in the cadillac a double episode where she is instrumental in getting uh, morty impeached yeah yes as well as uh also she's in season nine's the finale where she testifies against jerry yeah she's uh, one of the final nails in a very uh big coffin massive coffin and uh, she passed away in 2011 in los angeles and she was aged 91 nice yes so uh it was confirmed in the cadillac that uh, she was visiting her daughter in New York at the time mm. when the rye was stolen. This is before she found out that Jerry actually did it. So, yeah, I suppose she was just there visiting her daughter. Her daughter must be there for work or maybe... I think met... she's from New York because she's got quite a New York accent. She's oh, okay. like my marble rye. Marvel. Oh, yeah. unless if she moved to Florida for retirement. I think she did. Okay, I think yeah. she just did that typical thing. Like Jerry's parents. Yeah, you know, same like Morty thing. and yeah. Helen, you know, they're all from yeah. New York and they moved down to Florida. I think yeah, Mabel right. would have done it. She's a bit older than Morty and Helen. Oh, so yeah, So she yeah. would have been living there when they moved there. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I think her 
you know, her daughter probably got a job in New York, like as a professional or something maybe, or has a family up there. And she just goes back up there once or twice a year mm-hmm. to, you know, just to see them. Just to see them, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking why she was so... I mean, obviously the Schnitzer's Marble Rise is in high demand. Like I said before, it's the only bread that's sold out at the bakery. Frank and Estelle are willing to go out of their way just to pick up a loaf of bread. But I don't think many people would value it that much to not take $50 for a $6 loaf of bread. Yeah. So I was thinking it's got to have more than a sort of a financial value. I think for, it, for mm-hmm. Mabel, it represents like maybe because she only gets to see her daughter once every year or two. Maybe, you know, it's something that they had growing up. So the loaf of yeah. bread represents like sort I, of the, mm-hmm. the memories of their family. Like yeah. she can't put a price on it because this is our tradition. This is something that, you know, our family has always enjoyed. Yeah, this is how what we break bread to literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think Schnitzer's is probably a neighborhood institution. Yeah. I think it's probably like even the oldies like the Costanzas and Mabel, you know, they all go, you know, for the marble rye for Schnitzer's. Obviously that was probably around when they were kids or yeah. maybe their parents and grandparents bought marble rye and other baked goods. And yeah. Yeah, it's just passed down. It's just one of those things, you know, sometimes in a neighborhood you've got this shop or restaurant or something that's been there for like 50 years and it's just an institution. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, yeah, that's Schnitzer's, but the, the marble rye specifically, I think for Mabel and her daughter and whoever else is in the family, it's something that means a lot to them specifically okay. as a family. Yeah. And I think that's why she's not willing to part with it for any amount of money. Because mm-hmm. she's or, basically yeah. saying like, like I don't care, piss off. Maybe the marble rye is like the signature. Maybe it's just like the signature bread. Yeah. Everyone knows the marble rye. That's yeah, why that, it sells out. And, and what is it? Like probably around seven o'clock at night? Yeah. They're about to just so. before seven when Jerry gets there? Yeah. Jerry has to get to... Get to uh, the Rosses by 7.05. Yeah. Yeah. So it's probably like 15, 10, 15 minutes Quarter before. Seven maybe, or something. Maybe a couple of blocks away. Yeah. Maybe a couple of blocks from, from their house or yeah. their townhouse. And uh, yeah, maybe yeah, maybe it's just so well made that it's everyone just buys it. Yeah. It just sells out Maybe really it's quickly. like toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want to wipe my ass with a marble, buy, right? Yeah. But people buy one at a time and they pay for it. That's right. In a fair way. <laughs> in a fair way. <laughs> they don't hoard it and punch people. Did you see those three women that were uh, punching on? Oh, uh, yeah. Not punching on, but they were like having a They tussle. were yelling at each other. Two of them got charged with assault. Oh. I know. <laughs> Jesus. I know. Over oh. toilet paper. If they go to jail, I hope there's no toilet paper in their cells. I hope so too. <laughs> Give them sandpaper. Yeah. Perfect. Wipe your bum with this and think about what you've done. Yeah. Here's a no ply for you, mate. <laughs> here's single ply. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no soft finish. No scented soft finish for you. No aloe vera for your bum, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the other day, you know, when it when the the panic seems to have died down a lot and hopefully people have started to calm down a bit. Mm. But I was thinking there kind of needs to be like because the government weren't really addressing the issue. I was thinking someone needs to come and sort of like quell the mass paranoia and hysteria over toilet paper. And I was th- thinking, who could that spokesperson be? Arthur MacArthur. Who's Arthur MacArthur? Do you remember the 90s? This is a very, very local Australian uh, reference. <laughs> but uh, he used to do the uh, ads for uh, what was the toilet paper brand? Not Kleenex. Sorbent? Sorbent, yeah, okay. yeah. He was the he was like the Sorbent kid in the nineties. Right. He was like a, an Australian like advertising icon in okay. the nineties. His name was Arthur MacArthur. <laughs> and I think he was the kid the the young kid in Hey Dad as well. Oh he wow. was a childhood actor. Poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully, you know, nothing happened. But hopefully not. <laughs> yeah. We won't get into that. No. Just no. type in Hey Dad children if you want to know more. <laughs> oh, don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I was thinking, because he was such an icon for Australian toilet paper in the nineties, he should come back. It'd be like Dougie the pizza guy Like oh, if there yeah. was A massive shortage of pizza It's like we need A pizza hero To yeah. come and like Calm everyone down And get the country Back on track Well what about The dog in the sorbonne ad Yeah Yeah the puppy Well the dog you know? can't talk No oh, you know, Maybe maybe, maybe, if Arthur MacArthur Did a press conference And the dog was next to yeah, him the Just puppy, for like moral yeah. support Yeah you know? 
Exactly, know? yeah. Like, you know when politicians give speeches how they're like, their wives and stuff are in the background just for moral support? Yeah. The dog would be kind of like that. Like, yeah. just, you know, the dog can't speak, yeah. but it's there just to sort of bolster the message. Yeah, absolutely. I think people would definitely get behind that. Well, yeah. you'd hope so. Yeah. I saw one thing on Reddit where someone said someone should just buy as much toilet paper as they can, make a tower, and do mm. it like Heath Ledger Joker style and just burn the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Put a video up on YouTube and social media and stuff. Yeah. And be like, there that you would go. Be... Here's your toilet paper. Yeah, that would yeah. send a pretty strong message. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, people don't trust politicians these days, so no. we can only trust 90s advertising <laughs> yeah. icons. Dougie, if you listen to us, get us pizza, mate. Please. <laughs> Yeah, we need pizza. We need pizza. And we'll, we'll use the box to wipe our ass. Yeah, yeah. And we'll need toilet paper for Pizza Hut pizzas. That's anyway. true. <laughs> yeah, because all that cheese and grease and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. Ooh, stuffed crust. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think Mabel, just going back to her, yeah, she was probably just going to have a family dinner. Yeah. Yeah, that's all it is. You yeah. Get her marble. Ryan, like you said, it is tradition and the whole family, it's it's a custom. Yeah, I think, I think you know, every time she comes up, I imagine her always getting a marble. I think it's just their little ceremonial tradition mm. and that's why she's not willing to... Because she values the family visit so much and because the marble rye is so important to that tradition, she's just not willing to part with it, even yeah. for 50 bucks. Exactly. And I love how she comes back three or four episodes later in the Cadillac. I reckon if Mabel came back a season or two later, probably would have been, you know, too much of a distance. But I think yeah. because Mabel, like that incident that Jerry did, that, that Rye incident is probably the shittest thing Jerry's ever done on the show. Like stealing bread from an old lady. Yeah. yeah that's one of the worst things he's done, right? Yeah. Top and it's three. Not, it's not even three, the bread. Easy. It's just traumatizing an old lady. Absolutely. And I love how it comes because it's funny how Elaine says to Jerry in a scene, she goes, something bad will happen to you. Yeah. It has to. Yeah. And then three episodes later, it doesn't affect Jerry as much, but it affects his parents. His yeah. parents get booted from the retirement village. Yeah. So I, th- I think it's awesome how it kind of like, in a way, it was like a bit of karmic It's justice. like indirect karma. Yeah, indirect karma, Um, you know, and Mabel had like the final say. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I love how it just came back. No, perfect. yeah. He, I mean, they, they rarely ever suffer except yeah. in the finale yeah. for their many, 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 many crimes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was good that he actually got, well, his parents yep. and sort of him in a way yep. uh, got punished for robbing an old lady on yeah, the street yeah, and probably traumatizing her for the rest of her life. Absolutely. It's terrible. Especially yeah. in New York with the, the crime rate back then, you know, yeah. a bit higher than it is now. Um, but yeah, then Mabel, like you said, puts the final nail in that huge coffin and uh, helps Jerry get land in, oh, land in prison, I should she say. She fucks her shit up. Absolutely. She gets her ride, doesn't she? She does. Goodness me. Uh, that's all I had about her. Yes. Let's talk about, uh, why don't we talk about Dennis and Rusty? At the same time. All right, Rusty. Rusty was played by Mr. Ed. No, I got no idea. <laughs> uh, Dennis, he was played by Don Amendolia. He's known for the films Boogie Nights and The Secret of My Success. In Melbourne, Stephen, there are a lot of, uh, I guess, handsome cabs or whatever they call them, you know, the horse and carts. Yeah. There's quite a few of them in Melbourne, and uh, you see them going up and down Swanston Street there. Yeah, they're a pretty yeah. uh, popular tourist attraction uh, in the city. Mm, and I can imagine in New York as well, they've definitely been around for a long time. And uh, I think Dennis probably does it as a week job maybe like uh, oh well, he says 500 a day though i think if, you, if you're making 500 bucks a day a day a lot of yeah. it is probably cash i'd be doing it seven days a week probably yeah well, you know more than just weekends it's like old school uber yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like old school like 1800s uber yeah 1900s uber yeah yeah definitely yeah, kind of sort of yeah 500 a day that must be his full-time job he might just I, i'm guessing rent was probably yeah like still a bit expensive, but five hundred a day. I think that could easily cover his rent. Yeah, you know, like in a day's work for sure for, for like the month. You or could the work week. one or two yeah. days a week. Yeah, and you'd be sitting pretty set. And yeah, yeah obviously I mean, a very my, big tourist attraction. Mind you, the expenses of maintaining a horse. You know, I don't imagine there are many many stable facilities. You know, in in uh, inner city New York, so he probably has to keep the horse out 
somewhere. So probably somewhere in up New York State, upstate yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. at least in the suburbs, maybe there's like a like a small stable or someone with a bit of land or something. Mm. And the upkeep, you know, horses aren't cheap animals to have. So even though he would be cleaning up, a lot of that money would be going towards just making sure that Rusty's healthy and, mm. you know, buying better food than bloody beefarino. So he probably has to work five days a week anyway. Yeah. What is it with feeding a horse beefarino? What is crazy? I didn't even know that horses ate meat. I didn't know that either. I mean, it's, you know, it's not real, but no, I, no, in, in the episode, but I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's a bit weird isn't it it's like yeah i mean i'm sure i i don't know if they do or don't but i guess because you're so used to the idea of horses eating hay or apples or something like that or, or oats, oats like kramer says yeah, oats, yeah, and oats and hay, oats and hay. <laughs> <laughs> love that yeah 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 so but even though the uh, cost of maintaining a horse uh, would be expensive and he probably has to pay like a pretty big licensing fee to the city um you know they probably take quite a bit of a, a cut hmm. uh, he'd still be doing pretty well yeah so do you think it was always a venture for him do you think he always did this or was it just like a, a job he fell into uh, i don't know I have no idea. Uh-huh. Um, I, I absolutely have no idea. No, what, what if you had to hazard a guess? Because, uh, you know, we are all into hypotheticals on yeah, this yeah, yeah. program. Yeah, uh, yeah, so. Look, I would say that maybe he was, I don't know, maybe he's almost like a Kramer, like not as crazy, but someone who, you know, like Jerry's career has been pretty stable all through his life. Yeah. Elaine has had a few different jobs, but it's always sort of been in publishing, you know, with a few little deviations there. Career-wise, they've been pretty stable and pretty consistent and pretty predictable. I think someone like Dennis maybe is like Kramer where he just sort of jumps from thing to thing. Not as insane, not as wacky and a bit more thought out but you know for five years maybe he was a handsome carrier uh handsome cab, uh, drive, cab, cab driver yeah, yeah. oh you know, rider then, yeah yeah and then you know like five years later maybe he was a cop you mm, know just yeah, from yeah. thing to thing i think i kind of just got that vibe but yeah definitely a very lucrative uh, yeah job jeez yeah and like i said five, and most of that would be cash oh yeah so you know a yeah. lot of it would be in the back pocket mm-hmm. yes tax man doesn't have to know the irs doesn't have to know anything that's right anyway rusty the horse yeah i don't have any credits on rusty but uh yeah poor horse it must have affected his digestive system eating all that beefarino yeah do you reckon he recovered he probably would have recovered he just would have farted it all out (laughs) yeah (laughs) he didn't look too bothered no he looked all right i think if he was sick he wouldn't be you know walking around he'd just be he was just clip-clopping away being happy he was just you know carelessly farting business away really rusty is one is definitely my i've I've said this in many episodes when we've talked about animals um yeah rusty is my favorite it's pretty hard not to love a horse yeah i mean even if even if for some reason they made rusty an asshole be like yeah but he's still a horse (laughs) he's still a horse he's still awesome he he kicked jerry in the head or george in the balls (laughs) yeah it's fine yeah it would have been cool like a bit unbelievable but it would have been cool if rusty kicked jerry for stealing the rye off maybe oh that would have been yeah that probably well getting kicked by a horse can be fatal yeah that's true maybe a bit too extreme yeah pretty strange but it would have been fun to see Kramer, like another scene with Kramer and Rusty and maybe Rusty is a bit bitter to Kramer for feeding him Beefarino yeah. so maybe he's a bit more aggressive. Or... I don't think he'd be bit, bitter because no. he, he really be enjoys it. He, just just be funny. he tucks into it. Yeah, it'd just be funny. You know, there was like another relation, another scene with just them. I could imagine like Kramer like talking down to Rusty, you know, like, what are you doing? Like, you, you know, something like that. But it, I don't think Rusty wasn't too... Uh, bothered at all? No, he, he was tucking into it like, it was, like he just got out of prison. Or he something. was loving it, wasn't he? Yeah, and you better, like, like you better enjoy he, it. I yeah, have thirty-eight like, more cans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, you know, if I had beef arena, just a can. He's like a whole can, a whole like, can. Yeah. And it's funny because Kramer going to the Price Club reminded me of Hoarders right now. Yeah, it was just it. It was perfect that you picked this episode yeah, around this it was time. Very, very, uh, you know, yeah, very coincidental. Oh, so, so yeah, maybe so subconsciously that's why I made the choice. That was the one, the Price Club. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's all I had on Dennis and Rusty. Just a few more 
more notes uh, just about Clyde, the final secondary character. He's played by Leonard Lightfoot. Uh, he's most famous for appearing in the TV shows The Jeffersons, Silver Spoons, and Murder, She Wrote. And uh, he usually plays characters who are in law enforcement, but uh, oh, this time okay. he plays a musician. So Cool uh, jazz cat. Cool, cool jazz cat. Very sensitive about his hands. He's a true... He's a true jazz man, yeah, man. Miles Davis kind of guy. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Cool guy. I mean, he, very, yeah, he played, very slick. Yeah, very cool guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. He plays drums in John's band, and like he says, he refuses to carry uh, Kramer's groceries upstairs because his hands are his life. That's right. And him and John are probably really close friends, or the band are just really close, so they talk about anything. Really. Yeah, girls, yep. drinks, whatever. Yeah, whatever they talk about. I think so. Sports. I think you have to have, uh, you know, because jazz is such an organic, especially live, free flowing, uh, free sort of, yeah, free flowing <laughs> and free state music form that I think you have to have like a pretty good interpersonal relationship beyond music like you have to know the person pretty well personally Mm, pretty well Mm. pretty well so yeah it would make sense that Clyde uh, and John and the rest of the band are you know good friends outside of being like musician friends and he knows Kramer yeah yeah there you go well Kramer knows everyone yeah that's true (laughs) it's funny Clyde Kramer Kramer. how you doing how's it going man yeah Yeah, good guy yeah no I really like Clyde I reckon it'd be fun to hang out with absolutely Clyde yes very good uh, bit party I reckon Clyde Mm. would have been uh, pretty uh, supportive of John um, after his oh, double failure of a of night. Of course. I mean, it would take a lot more than that for them to have a tumultuous relationship. I yeah. Think. yeah. But you know, sometimes like, I don't know if you've ever been in the situation where someone you know is going through like a really rough time or something happens and you don't quite know what's appropriate. You're like, well, I don't want to be like overbearing, but I don't want to be, you know, sometimes it's hard to know, like, mm-hmm. should I be like, make myself known to be supportive or should I sort of just give them space? Mm-hmm. You know, but I think John and uh, Clyde would have known each other well enough and yeah. been in sync each other with each other enough yeah for Clyde to know exactly how to like how make to him ha- feel better make him feel better and how to yeah. approach it yeah yeah absolutely because yeah, he knows him so well indeed anyway they were the secondary characters from the rye when we come back we are going to rank the rye in our episodes we have done so far we're about two-thirds of the way through the whole series aren't we yeah goodness I think me. we've got uh, about 50 something episodes left thereabouts yeah so you'll be with us for quite a while yet and uh, if any of today's secondary characters make our top 20 we'll be back I, I, I think it's the horse <laughs> Hey, how's everything? You, you need anything? This is horrible. Excuse me. What do you feed this animal? Oh, well, you know, oats and hay. Yeah, they like that stuff. Ivan, do any of today's secondary characters appear in your top 20? Well, uh, no, they don't, unfortunately. But uh, I did like John and I did like Clyde as well. Yeah. Yeah, good. The same for me. None appear in my top 20 officially. But uh, yeah, shout out to John and uh, Clyde for both being cool jazz cats. Cool cats. Hey, jazz cats. <laughs> How you doing, man? Tips that. <laughs> so out of 120 episodes that we've done so far, where does the rye sit for you? Uh, it sits at number 71. 71? Okay, cool. Yeah. 45 so, for me. Okay. Yeah, fun. Cool. Yeah, Good no, episode. not a bad episode. Yeah. Uh, I thought the bits that linked, I guess the classic bits like Jerry robbing the rye and, uh, you know, George uh, getting the rye up to the apartment were just okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, they were just were, there for filler more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought uh, special mention as well to uh, Frank Costanza. I thought oh, he was another. I mean, the guys. Blind, all, yeah. the guys and, the and guys, Estelle too. They yeah. were both blindingly great. And it was nice episode. to actually see like during all their sort of tension, there were a few moments of peace. I think when uh, they're driving home and uh, they're ranting about the, you know, the sort of the impoliteness of uh, the Rosses for not putting out the rye, how Estelle goes, it's impolite. That's what it is. Yeah. And then Frank goes, it's not impolite. It's stupid. It's just stupid. <laughs> Your father is right. Yeah. It was yeah. good to see them like just for a Ag- moment, mm, agree with each other for and once. be sort of on the same page. Exactly. Because normally they're just chaotically arguing. Yes. Um, so 
So I thought that was a nice little touch. Don't, don't tell me about it. I like to go in fresh. That's my... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you get the hen, the rooster, and the chicken. <laughs> Who's? Yeah. What, I can't, I can't do it. sex but, with all of them. Yeah. That's perverse. <laughs> <laughs> the best part about it is his hand motions. Always yes, like you got yes. the chicken, the hen, the rooster. Yeah, yeah. The rooster has sex with the hen. Who's having sex with the chicken? He's <laughs> <laughs> having sex with all of them, Mr. That's Ross. Perverse. That's perverse. That's one yeah. of my favorite lines from Frank. That's yeah. perverse. That's perverse. That's perverse. Yeah, no, really, really good. Yeah. That is it for another week, but I don't want to be a secondary character. Next week, we are going back a season, the first episode of season six, The Chaperone. That's right. We are dating Miss Rose island or attempting to and uh, steven's gonna try and be her uh, mentor and manager so see how that goes no no not really no, no too much effort huh yeah it's gonna fail yeah if you want to send us an email if you are from rhode island or anywhere else or if you want to say hello bidwabask podcast at gmail.com is where we are for emails social media at b-i-d-w-b-a-s-c if that's too confusing for you those links are all in today's show notes my name is ivan and i'm steven and we will see you next week for the chaperone and don't forget that uh, we do have a bonus podcast Curbcast. It is our Curb Your Enthusiasm episode by episode review, which we are releasing weekly. So episode three of season one will be out this Saturday, and you can listen to episodes one and two right now. Awesome. We'll see you then. Catch ya. Bye. (laughs)